0: You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by Casper. Try out this mattress for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com forward slash brain and get $50 off your order. Make sure to use the promo code brain when checking out. I want one. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want, now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of The Overwhelmed Brain. I call this the personal growth show for the critical thinker, but really it's for anyone that wants practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I'm here to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And just a reminder that everything I talk about on this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult your physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll gain here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, first topic of this episode is an email that I received from someone who calls themselves M.B. That's E-M-B-E-E. I don't know if that's their real name. I'm going to assume it's uh, referencing two letters like M.B. Regardless, I'll read you the letter real quick and then I'll make a comment on it and we'll see where it goes. M.B. says, enjoy your podcast. They are helpful and interesting. Just a couple things that bother me. It's probably a generational thing. I'm old school. You are much younger. (laughs) I don't know how old you think I am. I'm 47 now. I had to think about that. But if you're much older than that, okay, maybe it is an old school. Maybe it is a generational thing. Uh, And then I am going to assume this is a he. So I'll just say he says that your frequent usage of I'm like and then quoting someone's blather could be more effectively dealt with by explaining your point substitute what banal dialogue actually meant instead of quoting the words. I know, I'm fighting a growing and boring tide. (laughs) Just one more thing. Naivety is pronounced naivete, not naivety. Regards. All right. Thank you for that feedback. Thank you for taking the time to write to me. Uh, One of the first things that I felt when I read this is oh no, what am I doing wrong? What does someone think about me? That's an old program that kicked in. Like, what am I doing wrong? So I had this feeling when I first read this a few days ago. Then I had to sit with it for a while. I go, wait, what? why am I having this feeling? I thought I was through all of this. I thought I could take criticism well. And um, I didn't really come up with much except that There's probably a little bit of that in all of us, no matter how uh, good you feel inside or confident you feel in what you do. Uh, Let's just say you've been doing something for 20 years and you're very good at it. And then someone comes along and says, wow, that thing you're doing, that's just not so good. I've seen better. I mean, even though you know you're proficient and you know you're doing a good job, somebody comes along and says that, do you get that feeling inside? For some reason, I still get that feeling inside, even though I'm confident in, for example, in this case, uh, how I talk, how I communicate to you. But not everyone wants to hear the message in the way I present it. Or they want to hear the message, but they want more of the message, or uh, a certain part of the message. For example, uh, just to interpret what he was saying here, instead of saying "I'm like" and then quoting someone, I think I'll have to listen to an example of that or something. Uh, but I'm sure I do it. <laughs> Probably a very subconscious thing, an old program that was started a long time ago. I'm like he came up to me and you know said whatever you know I whatever I say after I'm like. Obviously, hits a trigger in MB, the person who wrote. I mean, maybe it's not a trigger. Maybe it's more of a, I want to know more about the meaning behind this quote. I mean, why are you quoting it? What's what's the purpose of this? Don't tell me just the dialogue. Tell me the meaning of the words. So he may have a point there, but I, I don't know how to exactly tackle that. Now that it's presented to me, maybe I'll be more aware of it when I'm quoting someone. At the same time, Sometimes I just tell stories, and some stories are left to be uh, openly interpreted on purpose. Yes, sometimes I do that. Do I do it every time? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, Is it just the stream of thoughts that come out? Yes, sometimes it is. Does it always have a point? I I think so. (laughs) I think that when I'm talking about something in particular, it has a point. Just like, why am I reading this email? Does it have a point? Yes, I have a bigger topic to talk about regarding this. And that is the feeling that you get. What is that feeling that you get inside when someone puts you down or someone gives you constructive criticism? Someone wants to fix you. Someone wants to help you, but you don't necessarily think you need help or everything's going along fine. And a hundred people compliment you, but that one person says something that uh, really makes you feel bad. And they may not even mean it to feel bad. They may mean something else entirely, but you take it as a criticism or something disparaging and it hurts. That's kind of the bigger picture. So I do my best to stay on that topic of big picture and come back to my point Often, which means, yeah, I'll probably miss, uh, some opportunities to explain what I'm talking about and go off on a, maybe a tangent or a related tangent, even if that's even possible to go off on a related tangent. But the idea that, um, I might say something like, well, you know, I'll quote somebody and then, um, I won't get into more detail about that quote. It could happen. And I'm hoping that, um, if, you and I were ever sitting down having a cup of coffee or tea or your favorite beverage, and we were talking, and I said something like this over and over again, you might just dismiss it as uh, a colloquialism, something that is familiar to me, something that I'm used to, something that I just grew up with and learned how to speak. Now, if it was obvious and it was making me look like an idiot in front of hundreds of thousands of people, which might be MB's point, (laughs) <laughs> then I would hope that you would also say, hey, you know, when you say this, you repeat it a lot and then you don't explain what you mean. I'll go, oh, really? Okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. So this is um, kind of along the same lines as a, an episode that I did not too long ago regarding when someone gives you uh, any type of criticism or feedback that you look for the grain of uh, truth and helpfulness. In their feedback. So, yes, you could feel bad. And yes, it could hurt. And yes, find some truth in there so that you can work on improving yourself. That sounds like you need help. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that a lot of times there are people that notice something you do, but never say a word. And they know it. And they hear you do it or see you do it, but they don't say anything about it. So you keep doing it. And finally, somebody says something about it and they have to be the bad guy or the bad girl and say, you know, when you do this, it makes you look like an idiot. And then you feel like, oh, my God, how long have I been doing this? I've been doing this for years. And finally, someone spoke about it. Why didn't anyone tell me this before? It's like um, someone coming up to you and saying, you know, your fly's open. or if you don't have a fly, you know, you've got this, um, you got something coming out of your, your nose. (laughs) And you're like, I, I do. You go to a mirror and you're like, oh my God, I got something come out of my nose. How long has that been there? And then you realize when it happened because you blew your nose three hours ago. And then since then you've talked with 20 people and you realize no one said anything. And then it was that Guy or that girl that had to be the messenger, and say, "Hey, you know you have something in your in your nose, and you're like, "Oh no, and then you have these feelings, and then you realize how many people you've exposed that to, but do you get upset with the messenger and is the message that important? I think in all cases, every message has some importance to it. it has some meaning every time someone gives us quote advice. Something to fix us, something to help us, something to assist us along our journey in life. We may not welcome that advice, but let's look for what's relevant. Let's look at what can help us so that we don't just feel bad and resist, resist, resist. Because that's when our emotional pain flares up. It's like that, uh, That maybe it's anger, maybe it's um, fear, maybe it's something else. But as soon as we resist, like, I don't want to hear from this person. They always try to tell me what what I'm doing wrong. That might be the case. If there's someone that's always criticizing you, that's a different story. Someone who's always criticizing you and spends more time being critical of you than being complimentary or supportive of you, you don't listen to those people, (laughs) or at least not all the time. You, You don't want to listen to someone who's always critical. Because they're no fun to be around. And this happens a lot in relationships. There will be one critical partner that is always putting the other person down, always putting their partner down. And the partner just feels belittled and they can do nothing right. And what do you like about me? And there's all kinds of thoughts that come up. Hey, I just quoted something. (laughs) What do you like about me? That would be something that um, a partner would say if they're being bashed in some way. And the person being critical probably doesn't mean, but could mean, to be bashing or critical of them. But they were hoping that their partner wouldn't take it that way. And maybe a lot of the times their critical comments aren't meant to be taken that way. However, do you also litter the rest of your communication with them uh, with good, supportive, loving, nurturing, respecting thoughts? Because it's different to be criticized all the time with, Uh, a sprinkle of love, a sprinkle of nurturing here and there than to be showered with nurturing and love and support and every now and then have a comment that you believe might help them. There's a difference there. In in the case of like me receiving this email where 99.9% of the emails that I get are positive, uh, I can look at this email as an opportunity to think, okay, there is a small percentage of people out there that are bothered by some of the things that I do, like my pronunciation of naivety. <laughs> and uh, I decided to look that up. Now, this is going to be a little bit of fun and a little bit of poking because <laughs> we're all friends, right? Um, According to the big book of beastly mispronunciations, the complete opinionated guide for the careful speaker by Charles Harrington Elster, he says that not only am I wrong, but so are you, MB. (laughs) He says, and I quote, Some current sources countenance naivete, and I have also frequently heard naivete. These four-syllable variants are illogical and erroneous. Naivete... Combines naive and te, and standard word division calls for three syllables, naive te. Don't add a spurious fourth syllable. It is acceptable to stress the middle syllable, naive te, but the weight of authority favors the primary accent of the final syllable, naive te, which should rhyme with day, never with tea. So, ha 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 ha. According to this guy, we're both wrong. But I guarantee you, if you and I were hanging out and drinking our beverage of choice and you came up to me and you said, the naivete of that guy, I'd think in my mind, that's an interesting pronunciation. According to the big book of beastly mispronunciations, he's incorrect. But do I care? <laughs> Just like I'd hope you'd hear me go, the naivete of that guy. You'd go, hey, we're friends, do I care, does it matter? Is it worth stopping this conversation, being in the rhythm of friendship and the flow of communication? Is it really worth stopping and saying, you know, of all the important things that the universe has to offer, is the mispronunciation of this word important enough to make a point of it? So MB, thank you for your letter. (laughs) I loved reading it. It helped me identify with a part of myself that apparently still exists in the sense of, oh, someone thinks I'm doing something wrong. Ouch. At the same time, it allowed me to um, heal through some of that and check in on my self-worth and self-esteem and uh, realize, hey, this isn't personal. This is just something that triggers you. Just like, um, I'll give you a a story, like uh, my guitar teacher in the 90s. I took classical guitar training for about uh, two years, and I considered my guitar teacher very intelligent, and um, very fluent with the English English language, and um, I don't know, very articulate, and when he used the word irregardless, (laughs) at first, I was like, irregardless, that's not a word, I'm thinking in my head, and then I said, well, maybe he just made a mistake, and then my next lesson, he said it again, and then by the third time he said it, I don't know, maybe a few lessons went by, I said, you know, I really respect your intelligence. And I feel like um, of all people that I know, you actually are very eloquent and articulate. And you seem to pride yourself on using the appropriate words and speaking highly fluent. I forget how I said it. That actually sounds more... Proper than I may have said it then, but I kind of buffered it. What I was going to say with that, I said. However, I just want to let you know that "irregardless" is not a word. And he looked at me funny. (laughs) And he goes, "It isn't." And I said, "No, it's regardless." But using "irregardless" kind of makes it a a double negative because you already have "regard less," (laughs) meaning without, and then if you add the "ir" at the beginning meaning uh, not, then it's not regard without. It's, it's weird. But um he said, oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't seem too happy <laughs> that I mentioned it, but uh, it made me feel better that I was able to point it out and hopefully correct it so he didn't look like an idiot in front of other people, which I think is MB's original uh, thought with me. And this is why I was able to you know, feel a little bit of that that uh, zing like, "Oh, that hurts. I'm doing something wrong, but I can look for the grain of truth in here. And what is the truth? Maybe the truth is, he really did want me to not look foolish in front of people because I'm maybe I am doing a great job, and like he said at the beginning, he enjoys the show. They're helpful and interesting. So that's the truth I sought in m b s email, and when I told my guitar teacher. Back then, I was trying to help him look better in front of other people. However, let's fast forward to today, where I look up the word irregardless and find out it has become common and acceptable. (laughs) Not only that, the etymology goes back to, uh, or at least not the etymology, but the first use, the first usage of irregardless was in the 1700s. And I'm thinking, oh, I thought that was new. I thought people just started using regardless incorrectly. And then there were many uh, citations of it throughout the years, especially in the 1900s. And it being mainly an American mispronunciation and colloquialism where people just got used to saying it uh, and having it mean the same thing as uh, regardless. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. So that time when I told my guitar teacher, who I consider very intelligent and eloquent, that irregardless was not a word, I was wrong? <laughs> I guess it shows you my naivety. <laughs> okay, I'll leave this alone. I wanted to uh, read this email on the air because uh, I love reading any type of constructive or critical feedback or criticism, and I appreciate it always because it gives me an opportunity To explore not only uh, what they're saying, but how I am that way too. That's what I'm saying. Is that sometimes we are the people who come up to us and are critical to us. Meaning we can be critical to others. And it's an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and go, hmm, how am I that way? So thank you MB. I appreciate you and I hope you took this in the lighthearted fashion then I uh, presented it. We'll be right back with another segment right after this. Let me ask you a question. If you had the option to buy a pair of shoes and wear them for a hundred days to figure out if you really like them or not, and you could return that pair of shoes to the store and get your money back, no questions asked, would you buy those shoes? (laughs) My guess is that you would. I know I would. I can't tell you how many times I've tried on a pair of shoes at the store, brought them home, and then found out two days later that they weren't a good fit. Because, you know, your feet swell after taking a long walk or you're noticing different things about the shoes that you didn't notice before but I've gone through a period where I've purchased something and then I feel like I'm trapped now I have it forever now I can't get rid of it so having the option to return a pair of shoes within a hundred days sounds fantastic to me but what if I told you there's a mattress company that does this very thing Not only that, they'll bring a mattress to your home and pick it up if you aren't completely satisfied with your purchase within 100 days. I'm talking about Casper. Casper, no, it's not a shoe company. (laughs) They do mattresses and they do them well. I shared the shoe example because almost all of us can relate to it. Getting the perfect pair of shoes that feels good and makes your feet happy is like finding that perfect mattress that can help you relax and feel comfortable all night long casper mattresses are high quality for a great price and casper is so sure that you'll appreciate their mattress that they're giving you free delivery in the u.s or canada allowing you to use it for 100 days and they'll even pick it up for free if you're not completely satisfied that's even easier than getting in your car to return a pair of shoes i love the company philosophy and the business practices that casper follows and i'm really happy i get to tell you about them Casper guarantees your satisfaction by offering you this risk-free option so that you get to try out a mattress without the pressure or stress of purchasing something that you're not sure is going to work out for you. But let me tell you, Casper mattresses work well. Their mattresses are obsessively engineered at a price you won't believe. They have just the right sink and the perfect bounce, let alone a breathable design that helps keep you cool and even regulate your temperature throughout the night. I want you to visit Casper.com forward slash brain so that you can get the perfect mattress for you 100 nights risk free. And to make this even more enticing, use the promo code BRAIN and Casper will give you $50 off your purchase. That's quite a savings. I mean, just think, if you didn't hear it here, you might have spent an extra $50 on your Casper mattress. So I'm glad you heard it here. Visit Casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code BRAIN when checking out to get the discount. You know, like that perfect, comfortable pair of shoes, go with Casper for that ideal night's sleep. Casper.com forward slash BRAIN and use the code word BRAIN for the discount. Welcome back. The next subject is about truck driving. (laughs) Not really. It's an email from a truck driver who uh, spends a lot of time in his head. He says, "Uh, I 100% think I need to seek help, but I have absolutely no clue on how. A psychiatrist or therapist or what? I don't know what to look for or how to go about it. Whenever I do finally go somewhere, what do I say? Or... Expect, or how will they find my problems, or comprehend what I feel, or what I'm dealing with from childhood to family, or relationships to death, uh, to going through uh, military boot camps where I had to spend a total of four months of being told when to speak, sleep, eat, walk. I don't know who I am anymore, so I definitely need to start somewhere, but how? All right, thanks for writing that message, and uh, this is an important message because. How do you know where to go, where to start, if you don't even know uh, what's, quote, wrong with you? What is your challenge? And um, where I like to go with that, when there's so much, I don't know, you can almost say this is overwhelming. There's so much that has happened in my life, and there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't know where to begin. And who do I go to? Who do I reach out to? Who's the right person to reach out to? Should I go to a therapist? Should I go to a counselor? Should I go to a psychiatrist? Should I go to a doctor and get pills? Should I go to a coach? Should I listen to this podcast? Should I, you know, whatever. There's all these things that come up and we have all these choices, but what do I do? What's, what's the best course of action? Well, where do you start? I think the very first place to start is to ask yourself a couple questions. One of them is, what is the biggest problem in my life right now? Ask yourself that question. What's the biggest problem in my life right now? Is it, uh, I don't have enough money? I'm not in a relationship? I'm afraid of speaking up to someone? I'm afraid of my boss? Um, I hate my job. I, you know, whatever it is. What is the biggest problem in your life right now? So, usually, an answer comes up right away. If you feel overwhelmed with everything, your answer may be, everything's a problem. Then you find the common um, denominator there. Everything's a problem. Okay, let's bundle everything into one thing and say, what about everything being a problem is a problem? (laughs) There's another question. What about everything being a problem is a problem? If that's what you're saying is that everything's a problem. So there's one question. Second question for yourself is if I could do anything, say anything or be anything I wanted, what would I do, say or be? That this is kind of the magic pill concept that I talked about a long time ago on the show is like if I had a magic pill that can do anything for me, anything. What would it do to change my life for the better? For example, I used that when I was driving along one day and I was feeling sad. And I said, Oh, why am I feeling sad? I don't know what this is from. And uh, I go, Okay, what if I had a magic pill and it could give me anything I wanted so that this sadness would go away? What would it be? And the answer came up right away sleep. I need more sleep. And I realized at that point, Wow, I get sad when I don't have enough sleep. What's that about? And that's something I can explore myself. But the idea that I needed sleep in that moment gave me a clue that, um, It wasn't just a general sadness about something that was like unspecified or unrealized. It was something that I needed to do. It was a physical requirement or need that I needed to fulfill. And I think I went home and got some sleep and I felt better. There still may have been sadness in there that I needed to check out. I'm sure there was back then. But having that kind of magic pill concept, that question, what if you had a magic pill? What would it do for you to make your life better? That helps you explore what's wrong in your life or what, a prob- what problems you have or what challenges you have, which is another great question to have. What challenges are in my life right now? What are insurmountable challenges or feeling or what are the challenges that I just don't want to face? And especially if they're very prevalent, like everyday challenges, like something that you have to face over and over again. These are good questions for yourself. Your first step starts within. You go in and you go, how do I feel? That's another good question. How do I feel most of the time? I feel calm most of the time. Great. Or I feel unhappy most of the time. I feel sad most of the time. I feel angry most of the time. Whatever comes up for you. All right. Then you follow that up with the question of, what do I feel X about? What do I feel sad about? What do I feel angry about? Even if it's a positive answer, what do I feel calm about? I feel calm about uh, not being able to work on the weekends. It's great. But typically when we go through this questioning process, it's in regards to a negative feeling inside of us. Okay, what do I feel angry about? I feel angry about mm, whatever it is. So get an idea of a general feeling and the general thoughts inside you first. I feel angry most of the time. I feel sad most of the time. Um the biggest challenge in my life right now is what I spend eleven I spend eleven hours on my shift driving a truck. Do you love it? Do you hate it and And you can ask yourself the question if I spent eleven hours as a i don't know lifeguard <laughs> would I feel better if I spent eleven hours behind a cash register? would I feel better? You know this helps you determine if it's your job that is a problem today. Maybe it's not, and maybe there's more to it. But like you said, there's uh, a bunch of stuff that you went through that you believe you might need help with. There's some residual from what you went through. Like you said, from childhood to family, relationships to death, and military boot camp and things like that. Okay, those things absolutely affected you. But how do those things affect you today? There's another question. I only said two questions, but let's just say (laughs) there's an infinite amount of questions that you can ask yourself, and I'm helping you ask uh, ask the ones that are most relevant that will help you uh, get on the right path uh, to get maybe the help that you're looking for. So that question is, how is what happened to you in the past affecting you today? What behavior do you do today that you believe was created back then? Let's just say something in your childhood. What behavior do you do today that was uh, related to something that you experienced in childhood? For example, for me, I became highly judgmental. That was a bad behavior that caused many relationship failures in my life. I can now look at how I became judgmental because everything my stepfather did when I was a child, I would be very critical of because when he drank, that meant he didn't love me. These are my beliefs as a child. When he would ignore me and pay more attention to my sisters, that means he didn't love me. That means I was unlovable. There's a lot of self-worth stuff there. Um, you know, I could go on and on. There's a lot of things that I experienced as a child that I really took into my adult life and created high standards for everyone else. My stepfather never did certain things for me. I felt neglected. I felt emotionally wounded and... I brought this stuff into my adult life and brought them into my relationships, which really damaged my relationships. So I can look at the behavior that I was doing in my relationships and go, huh, this kind of behavior came from, uh, it was rooted in what I developed as a belief system and perceptions in my childhood when I was in a toxic uh, family environment. You may not be able to connect those dots as, well, I shouldn't say as easily as I have but because it it has taken me years, but uh, you may not be able to connect the dots to your childhood. And that doesn't really matter too much because you just have to look at the behavior that you do today that gets you the results that you don't want. A good example of that is uh, my boss yells at me, I feel belittled, I feel defeated, I feel inferior. And then I walk away and try to do better the next day. And that would be a behavior that you could look at and go, I wish I could do something different in that moment. Or I wish that person would be a different person in that moment or say something else in that moment. So you can pinpoint a behavior and say to yourself, I wish I could change something about that because that makes me feel bad. You can look at anything in your life and say, I wish I could change something about that because that makes me feel bad. Here's another question. I told you, there's an infinite amount of questions. If I was all-powerful and there were no consequences to my actions, what would I say or do? So in the case that your boss yells at you, I'm all-powerful and there's no consequences for my actions, I would stand up to him and say, shut up, you son of a... (laughs) you have no right to speak to me like that. I will not allow you to disrespect me. If you want to talk like adults, let's do it now. Otherwise, you better back off. When I try that on, I feel powerful. I feel like, wow, that's an empowered way to behave. And I really want to do that. So now we have like, if I could do anything, that's what I would do. So what's the opposite of that? I am not doing it. Why? Why aren't I doing that? Well, you know, I'm afraid to lose my job. Yeah, but why are you letting someone walk on you? Well, if I say anything, like I said, I could lose my job. And okay, so now we're drilling down. How is that a problem that I lose my job? Well, if I lose my job, I'm not going to have any money. So you're saying that from this point on, you'll never have money again ever? Well, no, I mean, I'd find another job, but it'll be hard. So what you're telling me is that you would rather be yelled at, belittled, and feel inferior Instead of standing up for yourself, being in integrity with yourself, not compromising yourself because you're afraid that you're going to have a temporary moment of no money. I mean, when we start breaking this stuff down, it can feel silly. Like if I were to base my behavior on these, this lack kind of mentality or these fears that may or may not um, manifest into anything. I don't want to base my life on fear or lack, so I end up doing behavior that empowers me, that makes me feel stronger, that builds me instead of uh, breaks me down. Now, you may not be able to do that. You may not be ready for that. You may not even know how to do that. Like you said in your letter, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to start. And it all starts within. You just have to identify what's going on with you and how these things are affecting you. And what the most prevalent issues are in your life. You know, narrow it down to one. Think about one thing that you want to improve. That's it. Just think about one thing that you want to improve. Because I guarantee it's going to be one important thing. Think about that one thing. And work on that one thing. Uh, That's when overwhelm will kind of disappear. Because, all right, I got all this this other stuff I got to deal with. But if you just think about one thing and just deal with that one thing then you can get to the other things, if need be. Because sometimes when you fix one thing, some other things may disappear. So that's step one. Step one on trying to figure out where to start and who to talk to and what to do. That's step one. Step two is to ask yourself, can I do this on my own? Can I read books? Can I go to the library? Can I listen to the podcasts? Can I Pull up some videos online on the this one thing that I'm working with and see how other people have dealt with it. See how other people are teaching on how to deal with it. Like uh, personal boundaries is a big one in, in my episodes. You can pull up my backlog and find several episodes that talk about personal boundaries. That's a great place to start if you are working on uh, honoring yourself, standing up for yourself, trying to find that confidence or courage to be in a place where you can say things almost fearlessly. That's a great place to start. Or if you're working on something else, you know, look it up. You probably have access to the Internet. Just look up educational materials on what that one thing is you're working on. This is a process of self-discovery first. You need to figure out exactly what you want to work on. Yes, this is the, that's your question. Once you figure out what you want to work on in yourself or what needs improvement, then you look for educational materials on the subject to help you understand what's going on inside you a little bit better. Step one is the discovery. Step two is trying to uh, learning as much as you can about what's happening inside of you. Because I guarantee you, I'm going to say 99.9% of the time, Whatever you're working on, someone else has already worked on or has figured out how to help you with it. And that's important to know is that you're not alone in what you're feeling because we all experience a wide range of emotions that are very common to all of us, it's just how we're wired. So everything boils down to how we feel. I mean, not everything, but a lot of things boil down to how we feel and when we feel a certain way others have felt that way too and they did certain things to feel better now there may be specific circumstances and specific people involved that would make it unique for you but when you start doing a little self discovery like this you start unraveling its grip on you like if you started studying about overwhelm i'm always overwhelmed i found the overwhelm brain podcast that's helpful but I'm overwhelmed at, uh, let's just say, work, which I do have an episode on, I think. But you decide to look up um, how others have dealt with overwhelm, how, uh, how people teach how to get out of overwhelm, and you start discovering some patterns and some commonalities in what they do and things that maybe you didn't consider before or maybe a simple practice that changes everything. It's like me going, I don't have time to work out. I I wake up and I start working on the computer right away and I'm there until I'm so tired that I need to eat. I, I, you know, it would be like me saying that and just using that as an excuse that to, that I couldn't work out. Instead of going, well, I guess I could get up an hour earlier. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't want to. But I did and I chose to start working out again and um, it has changed my behavior. It's changed my patterns And it's made a difference in my life. I mean, physical workouts always make a difference in your life, no matter what. But I really believed that I just didn't have time. But I made the time. And then suddenly it becomes part of my routine. And I don't think about it anymore. I just do it. Doesn't mean I love it. (laughs) I just do it. But it has made my life better. But I may not have considered getting up earlier had I not read it somewhere. Had I not uh, heard people go, wow, you're just using that as an excuse. You know, they're putting me down. What are you saying? You're you're just lying to yourself that you can't get up. We all have the same number of hours in a day. And I, I read all this stuff. And I'm like, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know me. I have specific circumstances that affect me. And so I started listening and started reading and realized, okay, I'll try it. And that's one thing I want you to do is just try the things they're saying. A lot of the times we read stuff and don't try it. Well, that, that probably will work or that may not work. So I'm not going to try it and we never try it. I'm not fond of all the advice out there. It doesn't mean it's all right, but sometimes you'll find a piece that will work great. And so now the last thing, let's talk about how to get help or where to go for help as you start discovering more about what you're dealing with. Remember, you're just dealing with this one thing. Just focus on this one thing. You're going to find a lot of resources from people who teach about it, and um, that's when you just look up Somebody local. Somebody near you. Either a support group, which is a great place to start. I need a support group for overworked mothers or whatever it is for you. I need a support group for um, people who hate cats. You know, something like that. And you'll probably find one. Hopefully local, but sometimes they're online. I think it's great to start off with something uh, with little pressure. A support group typically has very little pressure you show up you can talk if you want or maybe not or just listen like uh, my girlfriend she used to go to childhood sexual abuse support groups she discovered that she was abused uh later in life like in her late 30s early 40s so she found a childhood sexual abuse support group and she went and she didn't talk for the first few sessions i think that's how how many sessions she went before she started talking And they were okay with it because they realized, hey, people have to start at their own pace. And then she got to talking about it and she went through a lot of grieving, a lot of healing, a lot of pain and emotions came up and a lot of it was released too. So it's good if you can find a support group in the one thing you're working on because you'll get to the other stuff. But I, I really believe that when you don't know where to start, it's probably because you're bunching everything up and uh you're just not sure where to go because you have so many quote problems so find a support group if you can't find a support group the next thing you do is find people who are specialized in that i mean you don't have, it doesn't have to be a specialist but let's just say that um you are looking for someone to that deals with depression and anxiety there's going to be a lot of specialists in that Hey, if you're dealing with depression, you're going to find websites that a therapist, a coach, a counselor is going to be talking about depression. And the great thing about that is when someone specializes in something is that they've seen typically a lot of clients that have it. And when they have a lot of success with a lot of clients, they usually have a path to a better place. They usually have some sort of um, system in place. They know where to take you, typically. Now, I will give you this caveat. Not all psychiatrists, psychotherapists, counselors, therapists, and coaches are the same. They're not all the same. Oh, and I I should mention, uh, if it's your cup of tea, energy healers as well. It's not something I seek personally, but I've heard from people that use them and get really good results from them. And there's all kinds of modalities in between therapists and coaches and energy healers. There's a lot of people out there that just want to help you. It's a matter of, like you said, finding the right one. And I'm not here to discount or account, if that's the right opposite, (laughs) for uh, anyone in particular. Like I could say, just work with me and I can heal all your issues. I don't want to do that until something I say online resonates with you and you believe that, yes, that's what I want to work on. I want you to resonate with the person that you want to uh, get healing from or get uh, results with. And that's why it's helpful to have everyone out there online, all these people helpers, to help you discover who you resonate with most. Because I think first and foremost, you need to have a good rapport with the person that you're going to share stuff with. And my advice is not to worry about what you share, because what will happen, the very first thing, is that you'll contact someone and you'll say, I don't know where to start. If you say, I don't know where to start, they'll ask the right questions. They'll probably ask one of the first questions that I usually ask. What's the main issue in your life right now? What's the biggest problem in your life? What's the most prevalent challenge in your life that uh, you're having trouble with? What emotions do you feel most of the time? What's the most common emotion that you feel most of the time? They'll ask you the right questions and you'll get a feel for how they are, either on the phone or in person. It's just a matter of starting to talk to people and being okay being a little vulnerable. And this is kind of the last piece of advice is that in order to heal, you do have to sometimes reach a place of slightly more vulnerable than you normally are. Because if you're in a space of having your defensive walls up around people, then it's harder to connect with anyone, even if they're helping you, because you don't want them to see what, what's going on inside of you. There's that vulnerability. I don't want you to see the pain I'm feeling or I don't want you to see me cry. I mean, that's, that can happen too is that uh, you have these certain beliefs that you're not supposed to show emotions and things like that. So you don't and now you don't know what to express or what's safe to express. My advice is just to slowly allow that to come up and out of you because if you aren't able to tell someone who wants to help you what's really going on inside of you because you have defensive walls up, it is harder for them to help you. Although the good counselors and therapists and coaches will usually see through what's happening because they've seen many people just like you and they know where you are. and This will help you feel safer with them because They know what you're going through. At least they can help you understand what you're going through because they've helped similar people in the past. So let me say this as a final thought is that if you're still not sure, I just want you to take a blank piece of paper and a pencil and just start or, you know, you could do this on a computer as well, but it's probably better on a piece of paper because it actually slows your thought processes down a little bit more is just to start writing what the problems are in your life. Oh, this sucks in my life and I hate this person. And be real honest because you can be honest with yourself. I know some people have a hard time doing that, but just be honest as if you were writing to someone that you absolutely trusted 100% and just start writing. You know, I woke up this morning and I wanted to hurt myself and I wanted to just not go to work because I'm just so tired all the time and just start writing this stuff out and you'll be surprised or maybe not how much comes out and how much just explodes on the paper not only is that a path to um starting to self-heal but it's also a path to understanding the the bigger picture of what might be going on in your life for example my girlfriend really deduced in her life um, all the stress that she's been feeling and overwhelm that she had been feeling didn't have anything to do with what she was doing but it's what she wasn't doing which was taking time to herself she was able to narrow down that all of her stress had to do with not having enough time for herself or not taking enough time to give herself a break every few hours because she just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and at the end of the day she was so jaded and de-energized and tired that as she thought this through she found a common factor of not enough time for me i just have no time and if you were to write this stuff out you might see repeated phrases like that like every time my mom says this i get angry And then you'll write something else. And then, oh, then my mom came into the picture and I got angry again. And then you'll write something else. And then, oh, my mom said this. And you'll start to see that commonality. So that's another thought for you too. So I hope this helps you. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much for sharing. You're on the best first step ever. And as asking someone, what's my first step? It's a great first step. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll be right back say some thank yous and then I'll close the show with uh, another subject and then we'll do it all again next week. Be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the overwhelmed brain. You know, I hope you get the value that you need out of this show. I really want you to find a path to personal empowerment. And uh, if you're not getting it out of this show, then tell me what you need. (laughs) You know, tell me what I can talk about here. Uh, I get a lot of emails. In fact, um, I get so many that uh, it, it is the main driver for the content in this show because I listen to you. I want to hear what you want me to talk about. Uh, It doesn't mean I can talk about everything that you send my way. I'm not a brilliant guy that knows everything. I just know what I know, and I know how to uh, help people through certain things. And um, if you look at the backlog of episodes, you can see what I've talked about in the past. And if your particular challenge isn't addressed, then let me know. Go to my website, hit the contact button, send me an email. Or if the show just isn't enough... I want you to get the book. Go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon and get The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. It's at just about every bookstore now, so you should be able to find it. It's your path to personal empowerment. Check it out. And I want to thank Casper. Go to casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain when checking out to get $50 off a great night's sleep today. And if you're a TOB patron member, thank you too. Whether it's a few dollars a month or more, if you're a patron member, you're an integral part of what keeps this show going. So thank you for your support. If you get value from this show and you want to show your support too, visit patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and join up. It's a few bucks a month and it's not only a way to keep this show going week after week, it also gives back. Private episodes, worksheets, email coaching and more. Visit patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And another way to give back is to use the Amazon link at TheOverwhelmedBrain.com. The Amazon link is the easiest way to show your support because when you buy anything on Amazon through that link, the show receives a little bit of compensation. So say thank you to me by shopping for yourself. (laughs) You are making a difference. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And I'm going to read you another email. I know I did this last week and I kind of extended the close of the show for a really long time but it's a really important subject so I want to address it. Uh, This person writes, I wanted your thoughts on my ongoing attempt to figure out my life without my husband who passed away two years ago. I did what you suggested on another show by writing a letter. I've done that in the past. I kept a journal etc. But what always seems to end up happening is I'll get sad. I'll start to cry and I'll realize that it's not really helping. It's along the lines of think positively. I was on Facebook for a while, but after seeing people I know move on with their life and loving their life, I started to feel bad. In fact, it made me feel bitter, envious, and sad. I thought, they have what I lost. It's not just grieving my husband as a person, but grieving the future that I know will never be. Emotional baggage, you say? My dad died of cancer. My cousin committed suicide. My brother died of AIDS. I found my next-door neighbor dead in her house. She died in her sleep. A woman I let stay with me tried to kill herself in my upstairs bathroom. So when people say to me, you'll get through this, I say yes, but what will I be like when I come out on the other side? I know it's wrong to complain in this way, as there are so many other people that have lost loved ones, but I just think sometimes there are damages to your soul that can never be repaired. I look forward to your thoughts on this. You really do seem like the only person that gets it. All right. Thank you. I'm going to call you on uh, Kathy. Kathy, I'm not the only person that gets this. I almost guarantee it, but I do understand where you are and I'm going to give you my insights and hope that they help you get through this. First of all, I understand that you're grieving and sometimes it takes, I don't know, up to a year, sometimes more that when you lose someone that close, you're going to have every thought you could possibly have go through your mind. I once heard someone say, when someone you know loses a romantic partner, uh, give them at least a year before you call them crazy. Or something like that. It's because uh, so many thoughts and feelings and emotions and triggers and everything just pops up during the grieving process. So you're never sure who you're talking to. Like the person who lost their loved one uh, could be fine one day and then, quote, crazy the next and then sad the next and then all these emotions come up because their life has changed dramatically in a shocking way sometimes. So it's important to give yourself that same leeway that, you know what, during the first year, you're going to go through Everything that you could possibly imagine and more that you could possibly not. It hurts. It sucks. It's the worst feeling in the world. It's your experience. And even if it's not the worst feeling in the world, it's still pretty darn hard to get through. But don't limit or invalidate your experience by saying, and this is my first piece of advice, don't limit or invalidate your experience by saying, I know it's wrong to complain. Don't do that to yourself. It is absolutely right to complain. You can, and I'm going to say it, you can bitch, you can moan, you can scream, you can cry, you can act a little crazy, not a lot crazy, (laughs) because you don't want to do it in front of too many people or they might get you arrested or something, but you want to be able to release this emotional energy that's built up inside of you. And I know it's in there because just to say the words, I know it's wrong to complain, tells me that you have built some sort of resistance inside of you. Like I shouldn't be complaining because there's so many other things in the world that are worse. No, right now, you're going through the worst. It is the worst thing in the world. Take it that way. Make it that way. Who cares? This is your worst. This is the experience that you're having. Yes, there are people that have suffered and still suffer today. But that's not your experience. Right now, this is your experience. You need to own it. You need to validate yourself and tell yourself, no, I need to feel this way. This is what's happening to me. So don't compare yourself to anyone else. Don't compare your suffering to anyone else's suffering. Suffering is suffering, and we all do it in our own way, and we all think it's terrible when we're going through it. And really, You don't have the bandwidth to start thinking about other people's suffering. I know that sounds like almost bad advice because if you are suffering and other people are suffering around you, you know, you want to turn on your compassion and try to help them too. But if you don't have the bandwidth to do that, you need to focus on you. So really what I'm trying to say is just be aware of what you're going through and allow it to happen. And also let yourself off the hook. It's absolutely fair that this feels like the worst pain in the world, or whatever it feels like. It's absolutely fair. And if you need to go through it, that's what you need to go through. Any type of resistance that kicks in is that think positively thing that you said earlier. Like when you said, when I write a letter, it feels like this isn't really helping. And it's along the lines of think positively. Any type of resistance is that kind of uh, feeling. I get it. Now, with the letter writing, let me tell you this. You may or may not get what you need from writing a letter. But let me tell you how I do it and see if it helps. When I say write a letter, this could be writing a letter to the person that died. This could be writing a letter to God or whoever or whatever uh, your belief is. This could be writing a letter to someone you know or don't know. This could just be writing your thoughts on paper, like... I am angry. He left and I am angry. You left and I am angry. I am angry because we had a life together. You promised me this. You might want to get mad at the person that died. And a resistance might come up that says, you shouldn't be mad at him. He's dead. He's not the one that you should be mad at. But if that is in there, write it out. Writing it out helps you get it out of your system. No matter what the words are. Even if you said something awful about him, you have to get it out of your system. Otherwise, it stays in there. Oh, no, I can't say that. I can't say I hate him. I can't say this. I can't say that. Not that you hate him, but you know, some people go through the thought of, I hate you for dying. Some people feel that. I'm not saying you do. Like I said, just whatever is in you, don't let it stay in there. Put it on paper. You may not believe what you're writing. You may not like what you're writing. Just put it down. This isn't a think positively or deny what's really in there. It's putting down what's really in there. It's putting down on paper what is happening inside of you. Even if this means that you need to write, and I quote, writing this stuff down is stupid. (laughs) This feels like that think positively crap. I hate this. I would rather be doing something else. Even writing that down helps you get things that might be uh, stored inside of you. I like to look at any type of external expression, like writing, uh, martial arts, uh, running, walking, exercise, um, even cleaning the house, washing the dishes. Any of that stuff can often be used as the external expression of inner emotion, of what's going on inside of you. So when you write it's like your emotions are being expressed through your hands. Or when you jog, your emotions are being expressed through your legs and your arms and through the wind in your hair. There's a conduit between the inner you and the outer you. And you know some people can feel it and are able to express this way. And some people can't. Like you said, maybe writing isn't for you. But that's what I do when I write. I express everything that comes to mind. Even if it's writing this stuff is stupid. (laughs) And then I'll keep writing and you go, I can't believe I'm still writing. Why am I wasting time writing this? I'm so angry that Paul told me to write this. I hate Paul. (laughs) Why is he making me do this? It reminds me of when my dad forced me to clean the basement that one time. I'm so angry at my dad. And then suddenly you're off on another topic that helped you connect with the emotion in another way, from another memory. That's why I like uh, using this process. So it's not about writing stuff down that isn't true. It's almost writing down everything that's true for you in the moment, even when you look at an hour later and you go, "Wait, I don't feel that way." That's what I did when I wrote to my um, wife after our divorce. It's like I don't really feel that way anymore. I'm going to change it now because it's not true. I wrote all this stuff down, blaming her and being angry. And I go, wow! I'm I'm not angry anymore. So this isn't true anymore. So I was able to change it, and I felt very congruent about it. Felt very good about what I was writing. So anyway, let me just comment one one more thing here. You say you know you have a lot of emotional baggage, and you do. You have a lot of um, things that you have experienced over your life, your dad, your cousin, your brother, your neighbor, all of these people, all this death, and uh, you know this is something that. I can't just tell you something and then all the magic will happen and then you'll feel better. There probably is some healing that you need to do. Uh, The only way I can equate to this is that when you start getting older, like I'm 47 now, and I've already seen a lot of people die that I grew up with. I mean, I've even looked up old friends and found out that they died. I was like, Wow, I, I used to skate with that kid when I was 17, and now he's dead, and there's a Facebook page in memory of him, and what do I do with this? And so, as I get older, I realize that death is going to be more and more prevalent in my life. It doesn't sound like a happy future at all. At the same time, death becomes more natural, more a part of life. This isn't meant to make you feel better. I'm just saying that um, there's a point, and I've seen this with older people, where they'll talk about how their children have died, their parents have died, they've lived through so much death, yet they've come to a point where they realize death is a part of life. It is part of existing here on the planet and that those we love will go. And, you know, at 47, that sounds really sad to me. But at 87, maybe I'll be so used to it that uh, it won't be as uh, devastating as it it is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's still painful. But I've talked to older people who have experienced a lot of death in their life. And they come to a peace with it. And I have a feeling that it's because the closer you are to a natural ending of life, the more comfortable you can feel with death. This is just uh, off-the-cuff thoughts. <laughs> I haven't put a lot of deep thought into what I'm saying now, so if this doesn't resonate with you, I do apologize. But um, this is the way I look at it. In, in my opinion, as you get older, you become more comfortable with death doesn't mean you accept It doesn't mean it's okay. It just means that you realize that it is a part of what happens on this planet. People we love will pass on. So I don't want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with this thought. Is that uh, during this grieving process, which you're still in right now, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, but the ups continue to get more and more numerous in your life. But there are going to be ups and downs. It's going to happen. And you have to understand that throughout this process, give yourself a year. The pain may lessen before the year's up or it may continue. But it does lessen. There is a trend that eventually the pain subsides and you just feel a little bit better each and every week, each and every month. You get there. And one thing that you said is that there are some damages to your soul that can never be repaired. You know what? I'm not going to disagree with that. You know, you think I should, right? (laughs) I think that the soul, however you define that, can be very much hurt. And the way I look at it is that when someone leaves us, whether it's in a relationship or they die, that a part of our soul goes with them so what does that mean that means you have this gap that means you have this empty space now the great thing about that is that you have the option you have an opportunity to fill that space with something else I'm not saying it has to be another person to replace anyone I'm saying that you get to start filling that space which is the missing part of you with something else. And that's important to understand because this is what happens is that when we finally uh, get through the grieving process and get to a point where, yeah, we still miss the person and yeah, it still hurts and I'm doing this to nurture my soul and I'm doing this activity, I'm doing this uh, recreation, I'm, I'm doing this hobby, I've gained these friends. I'm doing this every Tuesday night. I'm doing that every weekend to start nurturing my soul again. This nurturing is not a replacement. It's a rebuilding of your heart, of your spirit, of your psyche, of your emotional state. It's not that you're replacing what's gotten lost because that'll always be a part of you. I know you still feel those things, but what you're doing is rebuilding and starting to nurture the part of you that feels uh, empty and hurt and scared and maybe alone you just have to start rebuilding it and then slowly and maybe over time a little faster and a little faster you'll start to feel better and keep this in mind the people who have passed on in our lives or even the animals I think of my animals to me they're always there and I can always talk to them anytime I need them and they usually answer. How do I know they answer? Because I keep an open mind and I want you to do the same thing. This will help you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.